service this morning, I've been mulling over, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I've been thinking about this message all week long and just very, very excited to give it. Because we have entered into the greatest season of the year, I believe. Because this holiday season that started with Thanksgiving and now we ramped it up. Now we're going to hear Christmas music all the time and it's going to get more and more and more. Even our playlist before the service is going to have Christmas music now. And then the closer we get, the more and more it'll be. And the whole nation, pretty much, and even a lot of the world, has switched their focus from being all about me what I can get just for myself, just hoarding it all, to now what I can give. And I've heard commercials on the radio already starting about how you can have your Christmas list and give to more people because there's this one low credit card that you can get it. And this is a great thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not the right thing. But we're turning our focus to giving in this season. And we've been in a whole season at Church on the Rock the last several weeks talking about core issues that we have in our faith. And I really felt a mandate from God that as we left September, that we're supposed to talk about the core things that really, uh, many times we, we tend to skip over those things and really want to come back to them. Last week we talked about the Ten Commandments and how Jesus wrote all those into today and how it brought, comes into loving our God. And, and today we're going to continue and it's going to be the last one in this. Next week we're going to have a different focus and next week it's going to be more evangelistic and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But I believe with all that is within us that the ultimate finishing touches, the icing on the cake, what we're striving for is the fourth thing of our motto that we have around here. So you know the four things are we want to know God, we want to find deliverance, freedom, we want to discover our purpose. And we want to make a difference. So the fourth one is what I believe is the finishing touches. It is the icing on the cake. It's what we're all striving for. We obviously want to know God, but it doesn't just stop there. He wants, to fi- he wants us to find freedom. He wants us to discover freedom from our past. And he wants us to discover why we were here. But not just so we go, okay, well, I know, that's good, and that's it. But we never do anything with it. We're going for the final end result of making a difference. And that is what my message today is about, is about making a difference. Jesus said, I've come to serve, not to be served. So here God in the flesh, the Son of God comes, and he's even the one that should be served, and we do serve him. And that, that we would think, he was like, okay, I'm here now, you guys can all you know, pay homage to me, you can do this thing. He's like, no, that's not what I'm coming here for. I'm coming here to give you an example of serving. Each one of us have that same purpose in our hearts to serve because God put that purpose inside of us. And the cool thing is I really even have to convince you of that because it's hardwired inside of us. We know that to find the deepest level of fulfillment, we actually find that when we're doing something with our lives that touches other people that actually matters. But the only thing that truly matters are those things which last in eternity. But even being hardwired, if you're going down the street and you're going down your community and you see these little kids over here and they've got a little lemonade stand over there and they're saying, you know, for a quarter, it's probably not a quarter anymore, but, you know, it's probably five bucks now, you know, but 
You see them over there, and you pull over there, and you roll down your window, and you see their eyes light up because they're so excited about someone came by, and you know they, they give you the little solo cups, you know the little tiny ones, and you get those, and you, you give them way more than what they're wanting. If they're asking a quarter, you give them a dollar each because there's two of them, and their eyes are like this big. They go running inside to tell you know mom that it was somebody came by. You, you probably really don't want to drink that lemonade. You probably just going to hold on to that and you know drop it in your grass when you get home. But it made you feel so good to see those light up inside of those kids. And it was more blessed to give than even to receive. And it, it was just such an awesome experience to be there with them. But even more, the things that actually matter and show up in eternity. Making a difference. I've got a friend that I drive, and he's become a friend because I drive him every week. And I was talking to him as I picked him up, and he's frustrated with life and his job because he's telling me that he'd been working so hard on this proposal for work, and he got all this stuff done, and they decided to take a different route. They made a change, and everything he'd worked so hard on, they went with somebody else. And he was so frustrated, even to the point that he was going to go and get, he started interviewing with other people to to get a different job and to go work somewhere else. He's so upset and he was just, you know, just telling me all this stuff. And as I'm driving, I'm like, well, can I just ask you a question? Did, did it impact you financially? I mean, did it, did you like lose a bonus or something because you didn't get that? He goes, no, not really. I got paid the same. I said, well, did you, did you uh, miss out on something if you'd have got that? that bit? He goes, no, I still got paid the same. I said, so you get paid either way? He goes, Yeah. He goes, but it's the point, you know, I worked all this time, I, I spent all this energy, and I did all this stuff. He goes, and what, what's my life about? And, and I said, you, what I'm really starting to see is that you're trying to find self-actualization. You're trying to find the purpose for your life and your job. And you're not going to find it there very often. Most times, people's jobs are just the avenue for them to be able to really do what God created them to do and to make a difference. So I told him, I said, listen, I can't continue this conversation without putting my pastor hat on and kind of bringing you into what we're doing at the church. And I said, this is what we believe. We believe that you need to know God first and then you need to find your freedom. And then you need to find out why you're created. Called him by name and I said, you need to find out why you're created. And that's part of what we'd love to help you do. And then once you know that, you start doing something that makes a difference. And what you're telling me, that yearning inside of you, is you want to make a difference. See, I believe all of us want to make a difference. And it's my job to be your spiritual tour guide. So as we enter into this season, the holidays, the Christmas season, I want to lead you into a new season in our church, which we'll call Legacy. Now, in the previous church that we were part of with um, North Church, we had a, a se- the season of time, we'd have a, a Christmas present for Jesus on the Christmas Eve service, and, and it was all about that, you know, that great pre- present that we're presenting to Jesus where, you know, we're not just getting presents ourselves, but that we're giving back something to God. And, and I love that, and that's, that's amazing. And we'll be also sending out the letters to everyone who has given to the church and let them know, hey, this is where you're at with your giving for the year. So if you want to look at your tax liabilities and see if you know you need to make any adjustments, we'll let you know. So that's a courtesy we're doing for you. But I don't want it to just be about an offering. 
I don't even want it to just be about when we have the tree up here next week that you come on the 24th and you would bring the present and say, Jesus, this is an offering for you. But I want us to think of it in terms of legacy. Legacy means what people remember once you're gone. What does that look like? What does that mean? I've been to many funerals. I've been to many memorial services. I performed several myself. And the preacher always talks about the person who's laying there or who's gone on. And they talk about their life and they describe what you remember once they're gone. So very often at the end, I'll even ask, so what's the preacher going to say at your funeral? What's he going to say is the sum total of your life? And I can't tell this, this part without remembering a funny story Dr. Kennedy told me about he went to a, a funeral with his dad at the time before he went home to be with the Lord himself. And, and they're sitting there, and the preacher's up there talking about this guy that his dad used to work with on the railroad. And his dad leaned over and goes, man, when he's through talking, we got to go up there and see who's in that casket because I don't know who he's talking about. He, see, the preacher was talking about something completely different than what he knew the guy to be. But we all are going to be remembered by something. So what's it going to be? Psalms 112 verse 5 says, Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Generous doesn't just mean finances. It certainly does mean finances, but it's not just that. It's what you're doing with your life, being generous with your life. And see, who conduct their affairs? God is concerned with how you live your life. Next verse says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. And that's where we get the the scripture for legacy. We want to be remembered. We want what we're doing to be remembered forever. But the righteous will never be shaken. I love that part because you might say, man, I don't know about that because I've had some things that are shaking in my life. But I want you to see the difference in the, the tense and the way it's, it's laid out there. It says he'll never be shaken doesn't mean that you won't go through shaking. And in my mind, immediately goes to the scripture that Jesus was talking about, the parable. And he talks about the two houses, one built on the sand. Just the guy who just kind of did it all himself in his own way, and whatever he thought it would be. And then the other one that was built on the rock, and he built it on the principles of God. And the same storm came to both of them, and the one was shaken that was built on whatever he felt like doing on the sand. But even though there was shaking going over here on the houses built on the rock, it was not shaken. For the righteous will never be shaken. At Church on the Rock, I purposed when we started this church that I was not going to be one of those guys. That we weren't going to be one of those churches that talked about money every single week. That right before we took up an offering, that there'd be a 10-minute message about giving and finances and the blessings of God that come into your life. And I believe 100% all of that. Obviously, God is all about us paying our tithes and about giving and doing all these things that is his plan. That's nothing that any preacher came up with or any church came up with. But that's just not me. And I didn't want to be the guy that's always the proverbial out there like, okay, he's always asking for the money. Well, if I go to that church, I got to give some money. I didn't want that to be it. I wanted it to be a generous church that's giving out of your heart. But can I tell you that part of the core of who God is, is he's a giver. It says that he gave his son first. That while I was still a sinner, while I still didn't even know that I needed God, he gave his son. He gave first. And when I become more like him, I'm going to take on every attribute of him 
And one of those core attributes is giving. So that's why we're looking at giving. So basically one time a year, you're going to hear our message about giving, and that's today. But I don't want it to be in the context of just the offering that we're going to take up in a couple of weeks. I want it to be in the context of legacy. Making a difference. So the legacy offering, I just want to tell you where it is. So this is kind of the the nuts and bolts of it all. I want you to understand we're doing these things already, but we want to be able to accelerate it. We want to ramp it up during this, this season of time. And we want to be able to take this to the next level. But I want to tell you about the four things that your giving goes to right now. It's, I'm going to call it the four legacy lanes. The first one is actually us, the church, the church on the rock Dallas, what you see here. So everything that you see around you has been taken care of by your tithes and offerings. So 100% of what you give in tithes goes to take care of what you see. There's no salaries at this time. In the future, there will be, but right now there are no salaries going on. And we don't have a debt load. Thank you, Jesus. We do not have a bank note that we're having to work and just believe God for. And so many people have that. And thank you, Jesus. We'll never have that in Jesus' name. But that's where we're at. So the first legacy lane is actually taking care of us at what you see. That There's air conditioning on. There's electricity on when you come walking in here. And we know that God says to give tithes, which is a 10% of your offering, of your income. So the increase. And so many people get up, you know, concerned about what that is and how that works out. It's very, very simple. I love the fact that God made it a simple number and it's on your increase. So someone recently on Facebook says, so what do you think? Should I tithe on tips that I'm working at a restaurant job? And so many people are like, nope, you got to do this or this one or put all this formula. And I just wrote on there simply, the Bible says on your increase, if it increases you, you tithe. If it doesn't increase you, you don't. It's really, really simple. I love how God does that. So number one is us, Church on the Rock Dallas. Number two is local missions. And for us right now, that is like taking care of single moms, people in need, buying groceries, household needs, the things that are there, the things that you'll never hear talked about because they're private and they're personal to those people. And those are the things we just kind of take care of in the background. And that's what you're giving every week that goes to that. But we really want to do, I've got some projects I want to do with that. I've got a couple of single moms that need a car. And one of them in particular was told by a family member who was helping them out and said, you know, well, why don't you believe God for a car? Because you're not going to use this one anymore. If your God's really real, because I don't believe there's a God, so if your God's really real, then let him bring you a car. I'd love so much to be able to bring her the keys and say, here's the keys to your car, and tell your, fam- your family members that, na 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 God loved me anyway. So I'd love to be able to see that. I'd love the joy of that. That makes me so excited to be able to do that, and those are part of the things we want to do with the offering that we're going to take up. The next thing, number three, is national missions. Did you know that 4,000 churches a year close their door in America? That's just staggering. Unbelievable. 4,000 churches. It used to be 3,000. Now it's 4,000. The gospel is growing faster than their population growth in every nation of the world except for 20. So there are 193 nations of the world right now, and 173 are growing with gospel being um, people converting to Christianity faster than people are being born. So we're making a positive impact in a huge, huge way in 173 nations of the world, but 20 are not. And sadly, America is one of the 20. 
We need more life-giving churches. More churches that are out there planted everywhere you can see that are just going out and just loving on people and telling them messages like the ones you hear here that you're able to go out and tell them that Jesus loves you. And it's not what you think it is. And how we accomplish this in our third level with national missions is through ARC, the Association of Related Churches. To date, as of today, 733 churches have been planted with ARC, and 4,000 churches are in the process of being helped to reach their full potential, to take 4,000 churches up to really just like knock it out of the park. I love that. I love being a part. They helped us plant this church. They gave us a lot of formulas and principles and a lot of teaching, and a lot of what you see and how it's, things are laid out is from ARC, and I love how they make it so easy, as easy as you can have for planting a church. In that process, Lenore and I actually met some other church planters that some of them just planted a church a couple of weeks ago in Florida, and some others, they planted a church in Indiana, I believe, or Illinois. And, and both of them have young kids. And I know that we're all in. We, we've just given everything in the world we can and continue to for this church. But our kids are older. Their kids are younger. And as Christmas is approaching, I would love to be able to send them an offering from Church on the Rock Dallas and say, hey, we want to help you with Christmas for your kids. I know you're giving everything you got and you're pouring everything into that church, that new church that you're planting. We just want to bless you. We just want, I'd love so much to do that. So that's one of the things that I've got. And I've got a big number in mind for this offering that I'm praying God will provide through all of us. Number four is international missions. So we have missionaries that we support. There's the Culkers in Mexico, and Becky Culker was here several weeks ago, and you heard from her, and you heard what they're going on. So there are missionaries that we support, and then there's also Church on the Rock in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, that is Pastor Jay and their ministry, and those are the two primary ones that we've had. Last year, this offering that I'm describing, we took up for them, and we split it down the middle, and so half of it went to Haiti, and half of it went to Mexico. But we have an opportunity now to come alongside with Church of the Highlands. As you guys know, we are patterning a lot of how we do things and what we're doing, and just the success of Highlands, we're just, just piggybacking right along there with them. And there's a covert opportunity ministry that they're part of, that they've found and they've vetted and it's all working well. And it's in the 1040 window. And I'm not going to spend the time to tell you what the 1040 window is, but you can go Google that and find it where it's at. But it turns out that 42% of the world lives in that, what we call the 1040 window. 90% of all poverty in the world is located there. And all of terrorism comes from that window. And the gospel is the least effective and the least known in that area they actually have a partner that we they can't talk about we can't know anything about it's all super for security reasons all like you know mom's the word but there's a missionary organization that's in there there's a partner in the country of iran and this year alone 50,000 people have come to christ now, that's an amazing thing. I'd love to spend some time on that. But just think about that and what that impact is in their life when they convert from um, being a Muslim and Islam to being a Christian. They lose everything. Many of them are in, th- in danger of losing their life. So those are the things that we're going to do with the offering. Those are the things we're already doing. Those are the things that we're going to ramp up and we want to do more of. The next thing we can do in this season of giving is things that we should be doing all year long anyway. And you've heard me talk about these before, and that is our acts of kindness 
card, random acts of kindness. It says on this, it's a business card size, something extra to show that God loves you. And on the back, it simply has our logo and our web address. And what this is for is whenever you're there and you're in a drive-thru or you have somebody, your, your next-door neighbor, and you're wanting to be a blessing to them or whatever. But particularly, like, if you're in a drive-thru at Starbucks or Wendy's or McDonald's or something, and you say, hey, what's the, the tab on the person behind me? I, I want to pay for their coffee. I want to pay for this. And, and, it, and it happens quite a bit now, so the people in the drive-thru are used to it and accomplish it, you know, accustomed to that. And then you just give them this card and say, hey, and give this to them. And I just want to let them know there's a little something extra that... God loves them. Or if you go to a restaurant and you're finishing your meal, and I know it's terrible that you have to go out to eat now after, after church to kind of accomplish this part of it, but you leave a honking tip. You know what I'm talking about by honking tip? The kind that when they chase you on, go, excuse me, I think you, you wrote the wrong thing down here. And you're like, no, I didn't. It's something a little extra to let you know that God loves you. This extra step of being a random act of kindness to let people know In this giving season, that Jesus is what it's all about, not just about Christmas as it is. Did you know statistics show that the season of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, more people commit suicide than all the 11 months before that combined? I don't think that it's necessarily that everyone has more problems in that month. I think they feel their problems more. I think they are focused more on the pressure of what happens. And we never know who those people are. Very often when we find out someone has unfortunately committed suicide and taken their life, we hear and we go, oh my gosh, I would have never thought. I didn't know they're going through this. or I had no idea that they were struggling with if they should continue living. So when we give them a random act of kindness card... When we invite them to church, you may never know what's really going on ever in your life until heaven or they feel comfortable enough to share with you, but you may never know what something so simple can do. Even inviting them to church. and As I mentioned, that our, our next several weeks are not going to be the core like it's been. This is the final message of that. That The next weeks, it's going to be more evangelistic. It's going to be the kind of message that you invite your unsaved people who don't know God to church. Because they're getting more in the holiday season, the holiday spirit. And it's more of the, yeah, I'll go to church with you. Hey, I'm saving a seat right next to me. I want you to come and be with us. See, in this season, inviting someone to church is making a difference in their lives. And you'll never know what that difference could be. It could be literally the difference between life and death. But as I mentioned to you, that as you ask people to come to church, their idea of church is probably different than what they're going to experience here. Because I want to tell you that I believe that many people are following God and doing what they think or know he wants them to do out of a sense of obligation, not out of passion. So I think that they're looking at the, the going to church, they're thinking about you inviting them to church, they have this image in their mind that it's not God, and it isn't what we're doing here. I believe that they're following God, many of them, or know of people that are, that are doing it because they have to instead of we get to. Most people really don't enjoy reading their Bible. 
Most people really don't enjoy prayer. They just know they're supposed to pray. They know they're supposed to read their Bible. That's why we do the Bible reading every month. Like this month, we're finishing up, and next month, we're going to be reading the book of Luke, and it's the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, and him being born, and that whole, that, the story that you'll read often on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. That whole story and then what happens in the gospel. I love that period. But sometimes people are like, I don't really enjoy that. You see, I think we've created a generation of people who are following God out of a sense of duty, but they're not enjoying the ride. They're doing some check boxes, but there's no personal relationship with God in that. They're just going through the motions. Imagine if I had a date night with Lenore. And... It was only because I had to. I had no intimacy. I had, didn't even enjoy being there, but it's just, I'm looking at the watch. Okay, we got 10 more minutes until I can go home, and I don't have to be on this date anymore. And how terrible would that be? But I personally believe that that's what a lot of people do, and it's not God's best for us. What God really wants is for us to fall in love with him, then serving him, spending time with him, will be a delight and not a duty. See, church should not be endured, but it should be enjoyed. My great desire is to pastor a church with people who enjoy their relationship with God, that they have a personal relationship with God. And what I talk about over and over and over and over again and we'll continue to, is it's not about all the things. It's not even about the processes. It's about having this personal relationship with God. And he will reveal to you what he wants you to do. My great desire is that we get excited about making a difference. That when you discover why God placed you here, that you're excited to jump in there and make a difference for him. People who can't wait to be a part of legacy who can't sleep at night with the thought of the person they invited or where they left that card and just praying over that waitress, that God, that you'll just do something amazing in his or her life. See, in Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. His good purpose is that people will come to him. His good purpose is that people find the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. That they would know God, that they would find freedom, that they would discover their purpose, and then they would make a difference. That's his good purpose. But it's God who works in you to will. Another version of that says, it is God who's working in you, giving you the desire. What I'm talking about is changing and having that desire to make a difference. I want to show you, I want to lead you on this journey. I want you to experience the sheer joy of legacy, of giving, showing acts of kindness, inviting, to be a part of what this season is really all about. See, in Exodus 35, verse 21, it says, Then everyone who came, whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle. See, everyone whose heart was stirred, that's my job. My, my goal this morning is to stir your heart in such a way that you get it, that you understand about making a difference, and that God then will make your spirit willing. In First Chronicles 29, verse 3, this is actually the, historically the largest offering that has ever received. It's never been topped even to this day. David said, Because I've set my affection 
on the house of my God. I've given to the house of my God over and above what I prepared. He set his affection. Their church at that time was a tabernacle, and it was a set-up, tear-down kind of thing, living in a tent. And he goes, I want more from my God. And I set my affection on that. The next verse, he went out to all the people that were the leaders with him. He goes, this is what I'm doing. Now, who's willing to be a part of this with me? Are, who's going to join in with me? And then it says that all of the officials, in verse 6, got excited about it too, and they all gave willingly as well. So they got all excited, and then the people rejoiced at the willing response, verse 9, of their leaders. And then they got involved, and they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David greatly rejoiced. In verse 17, we see his prayer to the Lord at the end of all this. He goes, all these things I have given willingly and with an honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. That's my prayer. Not for the offering. Not for the big offering that I'm praying and believing is going to come and all the great things we're going to do for. But it isn't just that. My great prayer is for you. That your willing heart and you get it. That making a difference becomes such an amazing thing here for us because God is looking for our heart. But how do you get that kind of heart? Where does that kind of willingness come from? Can I suggest to you it comes from a passion and desire that comes from when you only define, clearly define, the big big word of the day, why. The why motivates it all. If you forget the why you love your spouse, why you married them in the first place, you're in trouble. See, if I'm going on that date night with Lenore just because I've got to and I'm clocking time and it's not because I love her, it's not because why I married her in the first place, then I am just walking through the motions. See, a saying is, when I lose my way, when I lose my why, I lose my way. If I lose my why, I'm married. Why I love that woman, I'll lose my way. Some people find themselves in trouble because they, found, they forgot the why. Some marriages today are in trouble because they forgot why they married them in the first place. Some people are not enjoying their job because they forgot why. That there was actually a day when they applied for that job, when they were asking for that job, when they're asking everybody to go on the prayer, prayer chain to please pray for me because I'm, I'm trying to get this job at you fill in the blank. You really wanted that. My wife, when she was getting hired at Costco, she put her application and she called every other day. Hey, this is Lenore. I'm just going to let you know I'd really like to work at Costco. There's a time that you really, really wanted that. But if you forgot that why, you could be in trouble. Some people may have even forgot the day they accepted Christ, the why. And now their spiritual life has even grown stale. See, I want to be a part of legacy because I get to be a part of legacy. I get to invite people to come to church. I get to give. I get to be a part of something great. I get to make a difference. But why? And I want to give you these five. There could be many more, but I'm going to give you five right now of we get to give because. Number one, Jesus gave to us first. I already mentioned that earlier. God gave his son first. While we were still sinners, God gave his son. God sent his son to give it all in the hopes that I would accept his gift. God sent his son 
to give it all in the hopes that I would accept his gift. Number two, because it's fun. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Remember I talked about those little kids on the lemonade stand? It's so fun to give. Winston Churchill said this quote, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Number three, because I'm in covenant with God and with you. I am in covenant this way with God and this way with you. God has a plan for the earth, and then he groups people relationally together. And we can only reach our full potential when you find your covenant family. And your covenant family doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be this church, but it is somewhere. And we need to be in that covenant relationship. None of us are as good as all of us. None of us are as good as all of us. And I really believe in the vision of this church. That's number four. I really believe in the vision of our church. Ephesians 3.10 says, Through Christians, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Through Christians... In churches, the plan of God. What's the plan of God? That everybody gets to know God and find freedom, discover why they were born, and then to make a difference. See, because the local church is the hope of the world. And for number five, I want to show you a short video of Pastor Chris explaining number five. So turn your attention to the screen, please. My favorite one. If there, was, if there were no other reasons why we're entering into this next season... If I only had one why, if you say, Chris, you can only pick one. I know you have 12, but you can only pick one. Here, here, here it is. And that is, I want to be a part of legacy. Because one day, <laughs> I get to meet him. Now, I don't know what your picture is. I have a picture. And if, and if you can prove to me theologically that it's, that it's not going to happen that way, don't tell me. This is my picture. Leave me alone, all right? <laughs> But I think I'm going to be in some holding area. Chris Hodges, it's your turn. Please come to see Jesus. You know, like I'm going to get called in. And I'm going I'm to come around the corner. There he is. And I'm going to start taking my steps toward him. And he's going to stand up and take his steps toward me with this big old smile on his face. And because I'm a talker, I'm going to say, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. He goes, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I want to go first. And it's going to take everything in me not to talk in that moment and I'm going to say, yes. He goes, I've I've had something I've been wanting to tell you for a long time. You did it. I'm proud of you. You you did what I asked you to do. And I'm going to go, no, 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 Lord. It it was my honor. He goes, no, 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 listen to me. I'm talking. I'm talking. I I gave you a dream. I gave you a great wife. I gave you a great family. I gave you the greatest church on the planet. I gave you the great state of Alabama. I gave you all that incredibly good looks. I gave you all. It's my story. It's my picture. And you did something with it. That was my hope. I was hoping that you would see all the things that I gave you 
I wanted you to enjoy them, Chris. But I also wanted you to use them to get as many people into heaven as possible. And then the smile starts again. And he says, so I have something for you. And I'm saying, no, Lord. I mean, you gave it all. It was my honor to serve you. And he goes, I'm so sorry, though. This is my show, and I'm a rewarder. And the Bible says he is actually coming in the clouds one day to meet you. Ready for this? And he's bringing his rewards with him. The word in the Greek is apodidomai. And it means he wants to pay us back. I didn't cry in any of the services. I can't imagine how I'm going to feel. Because it's going to feel like, no. And he says, I just want to. I want to say to you, thank you for getting all, all these people into heaven. Thank you for doing your part. And the scripture records it this way. I'm to tears because there's days where I feel like giving up, you know? forget the why I lose my way. Because even recently I've had days. But this keeps me going. And I thank you for that. That means a lot to me. But this means more. And I just can't let him down. And so all of us got to keep going. So don't give up. Don't give up. He wants to tell us, well done. <laughs> and now I've got some more things I want you to do here in heaven. I'm going to put you in <laughs> Like, oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> and he says, come and share. I love that line. Come and share. Just come and share. And uh, so one of my jobs, so you're going to get that day. So you get your name, right? Like your name's going to be called. And you're going to get your moment in front of Jesus. And I want to prepare you for it. Okay? So this is the best way I know how. So I don't know if you're discouraged or stuff's not working out for you or maybe you've gotten distracted with life. Trust me, there's more to this life than this life. There's more. Will you bow your heads with me? There's more to this life than this life. It's about making a difference. It's about what we take to heaven with us. Father God, this message has weighed on me all week long. As I contemplated 
delivering this and trying to give this out in such a way that it really conveys what you're about, that you gave so much of yourself to us. And when I have your character, I become a giver as well. But it's not about an offering. It's not about how big the things we can accomplish. It's not even about the biggest splash that we can make here in Plano and in Dallas-Fort Worth or in the state of Texas. It's not about how many more churches that we can build to say we built this many churches. But Lord, it's about seeing people delivered. It's about seeing people's lives changed, that we make a difference. And Lord, the things that you've entrusted us with, that we maximize, that we do the most we can to get people into heaven. So Lord, I ask you for all of us as we sit here in this somber, really serious message, that Lord, we purpose in our hearts what we're going to do to be a part of this. In the offering that's to come, with the random acts of kindness cards, with inviting somebody to church, Lord, that we purpose to make a difference for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray.